Hi, and welcome to Baby Steps into the Prophetic. I'm your host, Suzanne Burns. I am the author, speaker, coach, and founder of not only this um, podcast, but also of a um, ministry. We are a, a nonprofit maternity home in Tennessee serving mothers in crisis. And this podcast is focused on helping the church body as a whole understand the deeper movement of the Lord in this season. And so I'm really excited to have you guys with us today. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, something that the Lord gave me this morning, John chapter 8, verse 11. And um, I am, I've been sick this week, and so I am trying to do as many things with a single burst of energy as possible. Um, so I am simultaneously recording this for um, not only for Baby Steps into the Prophetic podcast, which is available on YouTube and on Spotify, and, but also I'm in Clubhouse today on my ministry startup club um, because I feel like the two um, conversations today are going to mesh really well. And, um, and also because this is what the Lord suggested that I do when I was stressing about how to get everything done all at the same time. So I want to welcome my Clubhouse family and I want to welcome my podcast family. And um, when time comes for, um, for podcast, for, excuse me, for um, conversation on Clubhouse, I will be ending the podcast so you don't have to concern yourself with having been recorded um, and, and have your information anywhere out in the community. So um, let's pray and get started because I know that the Lord has some really important stuff to talk about today. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, you are powerful. You are worthy. You are glorious. You are good. Lord, you gave me a very important message today, and I know that it is important for both of these groups to hear and to receive. And so, Lord, even in the midst of my chaos, my illness, my, um, my inability to be at, at top performance, at, you know, feel like myself, the, uh, all of that's irrelevant because it's not me in the first place. It is you. It is wholly you. And so, Lord God, I ask that you would speak to this room, that you would put yourself as a hedge around us through these, um, these arbitrary walls that, that we like to think of um, as a box enclosing us and protecting us from everything that is beyond. May you be the hedge that guards us. May you be the, the shield that keeps us protected as we have these conversations. May you prevent anything from coming against us, coming into either of these rooms, either of these spaces that would be in direct opposition to what you seek to do today. May you accomplish your purposes. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. All right. Normally, I like to have um, people come up on stage and hang out with me, but because I am doing multiple things today, I'm just going to, um, to leave it at this. 
And then, um, like I said, after I have ended the podcast, then I will invite anybody up onto the Clubhouse stage that would like to come. And those of you that are watching the podcast and aren't sure what Clubhouse is, there's some information in the um, notes below that you can check that out and you can um, download the app and come and join our ministry startup club as well. We would love to have you with us. But I'm going to start reading in um, John chapter 8. Um, Beginning in verse, um, well, let's see. Actually, I'm just going to start at the beginning. Beginning in chapter 1. I mean, excuse me. (laughs) Chapter 8, verse 1. Lord help us. I'm in the Passion Translation. And I appreciate you guys already for staying with me and um, believing in faith that the Lord knows what he's doing here. (sighs) Jesus walked up to the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night. Then at dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts again, and soon all the people gathered around to listen to his words. So he sat down and he taught them. Then, in the middle of his teaching, the religious scholars and Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone. Then they said to Jesus, Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery, Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone the woman to death? Tell us, what do you say we should do with her? They were only testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the law of Moses. But Jesus didn't answer them. Instead, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Angry, they kept insisting that he answer their question. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said, let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. And then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the dust. Upon hearing that, her accusers slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, with a convicted conscience. Until finally, Jesus was left alone with the woman, still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. Jesus said, Then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go, and from now on, be free from a life of sin. And the reason that I chose the Passion Translation for this particular um, section is because of their notes. Um, the, the notes here on verse 11 says, or no longer be sinning. It should be noted that this entire episode is missing in the majority of the most reliable Greek manuscripts. There are some manuscripts that have this story at the end of the book of John and at least two that include it in the Gospel of Luke. Many scholars surmise that this episode in the ministry of Jesus was added after the Gospel of John had been completed. However, it is the conclusion of this translation, uh, the, the Passion Translation, that the above text is indeed an inspired account of the ministry of Jesus and may have been deleted by many translators and copyists who doubted that Jesus could tell an adulterer that he would not condemn her. Augustine, 
one of the early church fathers, mentioned this story and stated that many translators had removed it because they interpreted it as Jesus giving license to immorality. God's grace always seems to startle the religious. And again, that was um, the book of John, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, with emphasis on verse 11. And when I read that this morning, I was just overwhelmed by the goodness and the grace of the Lord to that woman and in that moment. And knowing, you know, I've heard, I've heard sermons preached on this um, section over and over through the years. And they often um, acknowledge the part that, you know, the, the um, Old Testament law that these Pharisees were referring to actually said to have the man and the woman stoned to death if they were caught in adultery. But that wasn't what the Pharisees brought to Jesus. Um, it's the uh, kind of the considered opinion that probably the man in the adultery situation had been, um, you know, was there on purpose to create this situation so that this woman could be uh, abused publicly and so that Jesus could also be um be brought to be, uh, you know, to, to be presented to the crowd as a fraud or against the laws of Moses or, or whatever, that this was a, uh, intentional, um, use of this woman as a weapon against Jesus, knowing that it could cost her her very life. Um, so I've heard all of these things over the years and, um, as a ministry leader serving women in crisis, serving women who have been in prostitution. We have had women who have been trafficked. We, we work with women who are pregnant and homeless um, or coming out of jail and homeless, uh, I mean, and pregnant and things like that, coming out of addiction situations. So we work with very vulnerable women. We work with women exactly like this one in this story. Um, and so it has always been one that touches my heart. But when I was talking with the Lord about it this morning, I said, Lord, what do you want to reveal to me? What do you want to teach me about this verse? And he said, it is the most foundational of all of my words. And it is so disappointing that so many of my people have been unable to understand over the generations. I came not to condemn, but to fulfill the law, to bring life and hope. Where are my people offering hope? I am there. Too often in my name, my lost sheep are being persecuted deeper into the darkness and not brought into the fresh light of my loving kindness. Since when does forgiveness of sin also mean acceptance of sin? How is this love any more than those who reject the person because of this the sin? And so um, my response then was, wow, Lord, what a, what a po powerful response. And I completely agree with you. What I don't know is what I can or should do about it. What would you have me do with this revelation that, that's not new, but is important and is um, still all too often ignored? The Lord said to tell my people the truth. If you choose to stand in the way of sinners repenting and returning to me, then you stand against me, and it will not go well for you. 
Remember where you came from. Remember what sin I rescued you from, that I cleaned you up. I binded your wounds and carried you until you had been restored to health. And now you refuse to do the same for another? How dare you tempt my wrath, as if I have seen their sin as somehow worse than your own. And that um, <clears throat> caused, prompted me to respond, Lord, forgive us where we have failed to show, to show your grace, your mercy, your calling away from a life of sin into all joy and grace and forgiveness. Lord, forgive us for being like the wicked servant who, um, who was forgiven a great deal and then refused to, give, to forgive someone else's much smaller debt. And that uh, parable is in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Um, in verse 33, the, um, in the Passion Translation, he says, what the, the um, wicked servant, why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed to you? And then in verse 35, this is Jesus kind of recapping the story he just told. He says, in this same way, my heavenly father will deal with any of you if you do not release forgiveness. And the Passion Translation um, says, with, with a perfect heart toward your fellow believers. So I said, Lord, what would you teach us about these verses? <clears throat> he said, there is a reason why my mercies are new every morning. There is great need for my mercy in the world. My people don't need to be reminded of their condemnation. They need to know of my mercy, that my mercy can be theirs if only they will receive it. And then after they have received such a great and an awesome gift, they're expected to share that same gift with others, growing my kingdom voice by voice, faith by faith, until the whole world is filled with the sound of my praises. And that reminded me of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. It says, until the whole world is filled with your glory. And as I was praying into what to speak on today in, um, in this ministry startup club, on Clubhouse, as well as in my, my Baby Steps into the Prophetic uh, podcast, that again is available both on YouTube and on Spotify, I felt like the Lord was saying, until my people are truly walking as my people, they are not going to see the manifestation of my goodness, the manifestation of the salvation of the world, the manifestation of the promises to which I am waiting also, as if um, the Lord is saying, I am waiting on you to fulfill your actions so that I can fulfill my part. Until we are acting as his body, he cannot fulfill the promises that he has made to us uh, about bringing the whole world into uh, a subjection, into, um, you know, into right alignment with himself. You know, he can't do the things that he has promised to do until we do what we have been directed. You know, um, it's like, 
I can't take my kids to uh, the ice cream parlor as a treat until they do the things that they were supposed to do, until they've cleaned their rooms, until they've you know emptied the dishwasher, until they've done those chores. I can't give them a treat, even though I've promised it to them. I cannot, I cannot fulfill my promise until they have done the requirements that I have asked of them. And so as I was um, praying into this this morning, this is what I felt like the Lord had for this room and had for these two very different groups. Until my people do what I have asked them to do wholeheartedly, and, and as the Passion Translation translated that verse, with a perfect heart, I cannot do what I am standing here on like almost like on the on the balls of my feet on you know standing on go ready to to jump in ready to do what I have promised until you do what I have asked you to do I cannot do what I am waiting for and and I just feel this push from the Lord that this um his mercy, his goodness, the, the promises that he offered this woman caught in the act of adultery. The promise that I forgive you. Now go and don't do it anymore. It, it's, as if, it's as if the Pharisees of the day covered over everything that Jesus actually said and repainted it in, um, in the way they wanted to hear it, which was full of wrath and condemnation for everyone that was not them. And I think all too often we, as modern-day Christians, do the exact same thing. I see that time and time again as we work with our women. Um, we do not require that they attend church while they are with us. We certainly are not um, shy about being a faith-based organization. They are well aware of that when they come in. We certainly talk about the Lord and we certainly use um, biblical principles. We use stories from the Bible as teaching, but we do not require them to attend church specifically because so many have been so badly hurt. And so many of them are so biblically ignorant that it would be a waste of their time and a waste of hours as well. So layering all of that together makes it very challenging for the modern church to truly reach the lost because so many in the modern church have so far distanced themselves from the lost that it's as if they speak a foreign language. And we're the ones who are responsible for that. You know, we are the church. We are responsible not only for the, um, for the fact that that is so, but also we are responsible for breaking that down, breaking those barriers down and truly being Jesus to the people. And at this time, I'm going to close out the, um, the podcast episode and thank you for participating and welcome you back uh, next week for our next episode.